have the second quarter-final on the way very shortly here at the Mohammed bin Zayed Stadium in Abu Dhabi. Here's China against Iran with a chance to take on Japan in the semi-finals. China could be in here. What a big chance this is to open the scoring. Somehow it's been kept out. Good delivery and it's off the line. Asmoon almost opening the scoring for Iran. Pretty much in control, but only leading by one goal. But there could be a second here. It's another defensive mix-up. And Asmoon takes full advantage. 2-0 Iran. Hesitation there, another defensive mistake, and this could wrap up the win. 3-0 Iran. Bulan az zamin etchi. Yeshteba, Tarami, bitu de pas bude. Beri mas de gol sevom. Karim Asarifar, va bale gol sevom. Gol sevom Karim Asarifar. Iran sechin sev. Tamom shod karashun. Tamom shod karashun. Iran sehi jalo miyofte. Va in board miyachast de hamey mardom Iran. Iran are in the semi-finals, and it was comfortable. Carlos Kira's his side, winning by three goals to nil. Iran thoroughly deserved their place in the final four. Hi guys, welcome back to another podcast. Uh, myself, Arya Alaverdi. I'm joined with Senior Saimion and Bobak and Goleries. How are we doing, guys? Hi Arya. Hi Bobak. Yeah, it's good to be on. So looking forward to discussing the game against China. Bobak. Hey guys, good to be on as always, and uh, let's get this going. Okay, so uh, I've, of course, as usual on Golbazan, we will we'll speak about the the match against China that took place yesterday. Iran uh, won the game three uh, nil. We'll also speak about some of the matches that are gonna that happened uh, leading up to the to the semi final and the quarter final. So we'll speak about the UAE against Australia, Qatar against South Korea, and Japan against Vietnam. Of course, we'll play Japan. In the semi-finals, and then the other one will be UAE against Qatar. Okay, the first question will come to to Bobak. Bobak, tell me about the game. How did it go? Uh, what was your opinions on it? I think if people followed my tweets during the game, I thought it was one of our best attacking performances over the last twenty years. It was so fluid, great, quick one-touch passing. The build-up play was excellent. Obviously, it helped that the Chinese were playing quite high up and giving us a lot of place space behind them to run into. And it was a perfect game for Sardar Osmoon and Mehdi Taremi, who I think we will talk about uh, later as well. So overall, I don't think there was any real negative points. Maybe the fact that it was on the one or two occasions where China actually did have a couple of decent attacks, they were able to get in behind us quite uh, Easily, and there was uh, in the second half, especially there was a moment where Esan Hasafi, right near the end, he he just touched the ball away from the Chinese attacker. Otherwise, 
he could have been goal side towards the goalkeeper and maybe slotting it in, giving us a few minutes of uh, nervous uh, ending to the game. You know, what did you think? Yeah, I, I agree with all the points that Bobak made. I thought, I mean, uh, it was a complete performance. And of course, at this stage of the competition, the quarterfinals, you get a 3 0 win. There's, there's not really much that you can, uh, you can complain about. I thought whether it was on the defensive side or the, or on the offensive, I thought uh, we, were, we were good, we were solid. Um, although again, um, a very typical Iranian uh, performance in the first, I'd say five to seven minutes where we were a little shaky at the back and we gave them probably one of the best opportunities we've given after the Oman game to any opposition, uh, where they got into behind from our left hand side and they could have scored, but after that we settled into the game and, and, uh, they really didn't have a chance until towards the end of the game. So I think, um, that might be a concern. But again, it's nothing new. We've, we've seen that, especially in the in the World Cup, on the Kairos, the first five ten minutes of every game is is a little shaky for us. Players are slightly nervous, and it takes them those few minutes to to uh, find their touch and and slowly grow into the game. But uh, uh, against Japan, uh, a much better opposition, of course, in the semi final, we might not be able to afford to give uh, those opportunities away, and we might punish earlier on in the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, first of all, we have to look at it. First of all, we won the game 3-0 against a, a team like China. You know, China's a, a definitely, a, you could say, a respectable team now in Asia with, you know, a, a coach like Marcelo Lippi who has done good, a good thing in China to, to go over there and really improve their, their national team. But I think we showed why we're not first number one team in Asia. I think this game really sort of showed Asia that, you know, first of all, the, the other quarterfinals were all 1-0s. They were all kind of not the best quality of matches, but this match really showed our quality on the ball. I think three goals, you know, with the kind of pressure we put on them for 90 minutes, I think was was a really really good match. Um, so we'll go on to some some specifics now. Uh, Osman had a fantastic game. Osman had a kind of fantastic game. You know, from the from the first minute, he was really up for it. Uh, he was really. Uh, looking to press their their defenders, they were making mistakes. I think one thing that you look at from a striker is, can they go and exploit er- errors, or can they actually make the defense make errors and then exploit it? You know, some strikers thrive on defenders making errors, but he actually sometimes, not always, but sometimes, like the game against China yesterday, actually goes out and tries to win the ball himself, and, and you know, and try to exploit it. Um, what did you guys think, uh, Bobak? What did you think of, of Osmond's performance? I thought it was a complete uh, centre forwards performance and one of the best we've seen by any Iranian striker. Again, I would say in the modern era, uh, he hustled them, he kept them under pressure, like you said. He chased down lost causes. He was good in the air. He was strong. Osmond doesn't have blistering pace, but just breathing down their necks, it would make the Chinese defenders nervous. And I thought it was a 10 out of 10 performance by him. Maybe if you take out goals, just on the performance level, maybe his best in a t- uh, in an Iran uh, shirt for us. So we would want him to have this sort of performance again, hopefully. And we were waiting for it throughout the tournament. He'd scored three or three goals before that, but... Uh, you still didn't, you felt there was more to come from him. And I think in terms of a performance level and in terms of what you're looking for from your striker, like you said, Arya, it was a perfect performance. I hope 
that without Mehdi Tarami, he's able to perform in the same way. But for me, Tarami is the perfect foil for Sadar Azmoun, and they have an amazing chemistry together. So it's yet to be seen. Yeah, of course, Tarami is suspended for the next match. Um, Sinov, what did you think of of our two you know, star men who scored the, two, the first two goals? Well, I mean, in regards to Osmoon, um, I completely agree with everything Bobak said. Again, it was it was a complete performance. But I also think, um, I mean, if we look at the goal individually, we see that the defenders made individual mistakes on all three goals. Now, if it, if that was just the case for one goal, you could say we got a bit lucky. You know, they made a mistake. But because he happened on every single goal, I would I would assume that it was something that Kairos picked up on in his analysis and in in terms of doing his own homework for this game that they. That he saw a weakness in in the in the central defenders, whether it's technique, because on all the three goals it was a, it was a matter of the defenders not being able to get a hold of the ball and control the ball early, and of course Osman pressing them. And I thought uh, it was it was Iran's game plan uh, from the beginning um, to make sure that the defenders don't have much time. Um, I don't think I saw them control or even have a good first touch uh, on any of the occasions. And uh, of course with Oz with the goals as well, we saw. They, you know, he picked their pockets um, throughout the game, and to be honest, it could have been even more goals. But in terms of Taremi, I, I could I could talk a lot about Taremi and, and and what he brings to this team. I know there's uh, still some sectors in our fans that don't necessarily believe that he's the best possible choice for that role. But yeah, and and I, and I think they believe that um, when Taremi plays, they, uh, that Taremi is probably a better player than Odus Otorabi. I don't think that's the case at all. We've we've, we've spoken on this podcast about how good uh, technically some of Odus is one of, if not the best player at Team Ali from a from a technical perspective. But the role that Taremi plays from that left wing, acting as a second striker, making the movements that he does. Um, I don't think we have anyone in Timeli who can do that. Um, he creates opportunities for himself and Osmoon. He misses a lot of chances, and uh, I've been one who's been saying this since his post police days when he's even he finished top goal scorer. He misses a ton of chances, but if you believe that uh, he ends up in those uh, in those places um, uh, by luck. And uh, he, he, you know, anyone else would be in the same places. And I don't think he, you've been watching football for long. It's it's a talent to be at the right place at the right time. It's what top clubs in Europe have always been looking for in strikers. And um, I think, especially on the first goal, it might seem like it's an easy tap-in. Uh, and and at the end, it was. But some people forget that it was um, the fact that the team was so deep. We were, we were still recovering from a, a defensive phase. It was a, a hoof, a direct one, uh, you know, a long effort. I think it was Hoysafi from our own box, which then Osmond chased down. And I don't think if it was any, anyone else other than Tony would have actually gambled running across from uh, probably outside of our own box all the way to the uh, all the way to the Chinese box to be able to finish that chance. So again, I think these are points that we need to remember. Um, and as Bobak said, the, the uh, link-up play between himself and Osmoon is brilliant. They gave each other assists, and of course they they scored one each as well. And um, I would say that he will be a miss against Japan. Um, again, of course he will miss chances, and some may, might say you know in the bigger games we can't afford to miss those chances. And, and you might be right. But the point is that if if he's not in the team, probably I would say 70% of those chances would not exist. And I think that's the key that we need to remember. But hopefully 
for the next game. I mean, personally, I believe Kali Mansourifad will be the one who plays off the left wing, but I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later on. But um, I think Osman yeah. and Tarami are probably the best at the moment. Yeah, I think quickly on Tarami, just I'll just touch on it. I think you look at a player like him, who, who like you said, you know, gets into the, the right areas to, to score goals, but and he does miss chances. We know that, especially even in this club currently, you know, in, in Al Garafa, he does miss chances. But I believe if he goes to a European team and he he plays in a team where he gets those chances to score on a regular basis, you know, with players around him where they're going to create chances for him, you know, and they're going to put it on the plate. I think he will become a better. Finisher. I don't. Maybe it's hard to become a better finisher. If you be, he's twenty five years old. His technique is hard to to adapt at that kind of age. But you can always adapt your mentality. You can always adapt your conviction and your your composure. So if he can build on on what he's got and go to a European team, I think that's what he needs in his career. We'll bring in uh, our first guest for the podcast today. The first guest is Gudaze Faramarzion. His Twitter handle is G-F-A-R underscore underscore. Gudars, how are you doing, man? How you doing, Arya? Good to be with you guys on this amazing podcast. And I would Thanks like to send on. my greetings to everyone who's listening to this podcast. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, so, you want to speak about, give me your thoughts on the game, give me your thoughts on China's performance, Iran's performance, and what did you think? Iran played amazingly. I feel like this was our best game uh, during the entire tournament. We played really fluid. We were really dynamic. And all of this, I think, starts with uh, Carlos Queiroz and his staff perfectly analyzing the lack of uh, their the, the defense's lack of speed and recognizing the space behind uh, the defense. Uh, which started with China's number five being suspended, Ling Peng, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, he was suspended. And then uh, we saw Marcel Lippi freaking out after the goal and uh, subbing a defender, which uh, was very interesting for me in the first half, subbing that defender right away. And also the sad Rosman and Tarmi duo is amazing. We all know that. And I feel like that really comes in within, like, people's criticism after the World Cup and people thinking they were not playing pretty well. But uh I feel like now they have their opportunity and they're playing amazing. Also, uh Ashwin Dejaga's accurate passing was, for me, a key. Uh Out of 38 passes, he had 37 successful pass, uh 97-something percent. Accurate passing, which was amazing for me. Also, last but not least, I feel like uh, he doesn't really get credit, but I think Omi Debrahimi for me was amazing. And he played really well in the middle, cleaning up, uh, making sure they were pressing the lines where they were working, they were synchronized. And just being the the title that he has general uh, in the middle. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Japan game. And hopefully we can get another win and go to the finals. Thanks very much, man. That was great analysis. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Sina, uh, sorry, Bobak, I'll come to you first. Uh, just on what um, Gudaz was talking about, the midfielders, we played a midfield three of Ashkan Dejaga, Umide Brahimi, and 
Yeah, so I don't know how Safi was playing as a left-sided centre midfielder. What did you, you know, just think of that? You know, what did you think of that performance? Did you feel like those three performed better than, you know, when Amiri was playing? You know, what was the difference? Harsh to compare because the level of performance by the whole team was so different against China than in the previous games. So uh, it's difficult to single out Amiri for, let's say, the change has been that Haisafi came on and this all happened. So I would say one of the main things that stood out on the game against China was the pressing. The level of pressing was relentless for 90 minutes. We were chasing down. Every time a Chinese player had the ball, there was two or three Iranians around them. The fitness levels were amazing. Ibrahimi probably had his best game of the tournament, like uh, Gudars mentioned. He was excellent. Uh, Again, it helps when you have a lot of the ball and... The confidence is flowing through your feet, let's say. So things are going for you, and then everything, all the little things fall into place too. Ashkan has been solid throughout the tournament. I wouldn't say he was any better or worse. He's been giving you a consistent level throughout the tournament. Hot Safi, though, for me, I don't know. The team played very well. I'm not saying Hot Safi didn't play well. But to a point where I would say he should be a definitive starter in the next game, and let's say Amiri should not get back in, it's, I don't think he did enough to make it a certainty, considering that Amiri is quite a popular player for uh, Carlos Queiroz. So it's, it's still open, up for debate. I would not be disappointed if Ehsan stays in. I think he gives you something more when it comes to set pieces. He's a bit quicker than Amiri, I would say maybe moves a little bit more all over the left side towards the attacking third. But uh, Amiri is one of Carlos Kiros' favorites. And okay, he's been a little bit subpar this tournament. It hasn't fallen into place for him, but uh, we're going to have to wait to see. Personally, I think that we'll see Amiri a little bit further up front uh, in the Japan game, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. Possibly, I mean, he could play left wing. Um, I don't, I don't personally like him in that position. I don't think he plays well as a left winger, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, do you think, do you guys, do you think uh, maybe Eason won't play as a left back for Milad? Not for me. Not for you. Okay, so you now go ahead. What, what, what were you thinking about the midfield? Yeah, again, I completely agree on the points about Ibrahimi. I thought he had a very solid game, and again, it was I put that down to the fact that uh, the, the gap between the midfielders um, weren't as big as it was maybe in, in the game against um, uh, Oman in the first half. And I thought we we, we closed those gaps really well, and uh, I think he, it it helped Ibrahimi a lot. And um, I, I agree again. I thought he had one of the best games he's ever had in a new ship, not just in this tournament. Um, on the point about Ehsan, the importance of Ehsan and, and the fact that he was, I think for me, it was a no-brain that he will play, is also going back to the point about Ptolemy. Ptolemy, when we are on the attack, he, he almost acts as uh, the striking partner of Osmund in the box, which then usually allows Amiri to play as a left left midfielder. He kind of goes up to a 4-4-2 when we're in possession and attacking which uh, I think it was kind of obvious that he, he likes the left, uh, left-footed left player uh, on that side. I know some people suggest that Torabi should, uh, should play in midfield instead of Amiri or, um, or even Hortus, but I don't think there was any, uh, there was any question that Hojstafi was going to start, not just because of his legs, but again, he has the ability to play as a left midfielder or a left winger 
uh, when we are on the attack. Um, I thought he had an average game, but one of the stats that I saw, and, and I saw this, um, again, credit to our friends at Metrica, he had a, a pass completion rate of 55%, which was the lowest out of uh, all the Iranian players. And that really stood out to me. Um, lots I, of long balls, you know, I think. Lots of long yeah, balls. Yeah, a lot of corners. Well, I, I don't, no, no, I think he didn't, uh, they didn't include the corners and the, and oh, the crosses um, as, as far as I'm concerned. I think it was mostly the, you know, of course, the, the short passes and uh, stuff like that. And, and I, I, I'm... Again, of course, you gotta you gotta take context into it, and 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 uh, you gotta analyze each pass individually. But I still don't think that's uh, that's a very good rate of of completion. I wonder if that will affect whether he will um, he will start the next game or not. But again, Tottenham's suspension, as Bobak and, and yourself said as well, is uh, is another headache for him. And maybe if if Amiri starts. On the left wing, then we'll see Harsafi back into midfield. But I've been one of people, one of those who've been pushing for so long to see Harsafi in midfield. I was happy to see him back in there, and I would continue to have him in there. I don't have a problem. I think, even considering the here uh, the stat that I just gave, I think the more he plays there, the, the better he'll get. And I think in the in the long term as well, he might be a better solution in that position than. Uh, but Sina, I, I remember it was during the World Cup. Uh, we're talking about uh, 2014. And he played there in midfield at times, I think, if I'm not mistaken, or was it right after the World Cup? And we're having a chat with uh, Ali Reza Pekon as well. And the thing with Hasafi is you want, he ticks all the boxes to play in central midfield. But when he does, when he does play over there, what does he really add other than legs? You don't feel he has the discipline. There's a lot of running, a lot of Robbie Savage-like running, if you've watched uh, English football in the past. But you just feel that he's not so disciplined or composed when it comes to the ball. And the stat you threw about the passing percentage, it doesn't surprise me too much, although it does in the game against China, considering we really dominated and we weren't under enough pressure to give the ball away or turn it over. But overall, he's never really impressed me in central midfield, to be honest. The thing about it is, I think Amiri plays in that position because he's box-to-box. He will get back and forth, up and down. He, he's also the same. He's not necessarily great with the, the ball. He's not going to pass the ball 50 yards and you know, you know, get a you know, ping towards the right wing. He won't do that necessarily. He might do it sometimes, but he won't do it necessarily. Hoysafi has that in his locker, but sometimes I think I think you're right, but like that he he does lack a bit of uh, he's just not got enough. You know, I think he's very he's become a utility player in in his career. He's not really sort of picked him, himself a position that he's going to be consistent with. He's been a left back, he's been a left winger, he's been a defensive midfielder, a centre midfielder. He's not really been that player in the middle all the time. So. He has all the skills, you're absolutely right, but he does lack a little bit of uh, um, consistency in one position. I think that kind of takes that away from his his quality as well. Um, I think that's, uh, again, he's he's always been a utility player, and I agree, but Bobak, I think, and you're right about the point about 2014 World Cup, it was in that one. He played as a left-sided midfielder, I think in one or two of the games. Um, but again, if you, if you look throughout the past four or five years on the Kairos, the, the midfield has always included a box-to-box midfielder, someone who's who's got the running legs, someone who doesn't necessarily need to have the 
the technical ability as good as other players, which again is one of the reasons why Amiri is shown in that uh, in that role so much in the World Cup, because of course we know Amiri is not the best player when it comes to the technical side. A lot of people question his. Uh, his inclusion even in the squad uh, going, uh, going into the World Cup, but we saw that in that role, he really stood out because he the job that uh, is expected of him is limited. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a role that, and it's, it's something that Kerush has been looking for for a long time. He, he tried Ibrahimi in that role, didn't necessarily work. He tried Kaliman Solifad, if you remember, on that role, um, ahead of the World Cup, didn't work, and then we were all surprised by Amiri in, in 2018. Uh, but Hodge Safi is a player that has played that role. He's uh, on the on the Russian, of course, at club level as well. And uh, I would turn um, uh, Arya's negative points about his his uh, uh, versatility in, in position into actually a positive point. That uh, you know, a player that can play in multiple positions uh, means that he has the awareness, he has the tactical flexibility to play. In those rules, not, and that's not something everyone can have. Um, I, I wouldn't I, say I wouldn't I, say it was a negative. I, I wouldn't say it's a negative. I would say it's a, bit, it's a bit of jack of all trades sort of thing, where he's not necessarily getting the consistency of games in that position. Um, yeah, and you know. again, it's it's something that Kerish likes uh, when we've seen it with the players that he's been continually invited from the first uh, from his first. Yeah, but the year question here is that. Uh, Everything everyone says here kind of stands true. But question is, has Hajsafi done enough to justify playing ahead of Vahid Amiri in that position? At the moment, I would say no. I think next game, Amiri will come in. Uh, yeah, but again, it will depend on, is Amiri going to play left wing? Exactly. I think he may get a reprieve here because of the Taremi suspension. But if, it were, if Taremi wasn't suspended, looking at the last game, Mm, I would probably throw back in Amiri. That's what I would have done against Japan. All right, guys, let, let's move on a little bit about this uh, this topic. <laughs> we'll dwell on it a little bit. Uh, okay, let's go just touch on the defence. Uh, we had uh, Rami Nazayan, Mutazapur Ganji, Hosseini Kainal Nizadayan, and Mirad Mohammadi, who I thought marshaled the, def- the, the game quite well. They did give away a few chances to China, who, if they had a better striker... They could have got back into the game. I think there were times where we made a couple of errors that, you know, were question marks. But I think we, we were able to sort of get away with it in, in some ways. What do you guys think, Sino? Yeah, I think um, certainly compared to the Oman game, I thought there was an improvement in the back four. I thought um, Reza Yan had a, had a decent game and, uh, and Pureli Ganji was back to his best. I didn't think he had best of the games against Oman, but... He, he um, again, he was he was back to his usual form uh, that we're used to. I thought Can Oni again uh, uh, had a solid game. He didn't make any major mistakes. I think the chance that we gave to them earlier on in the game was a combination of errors throughout the back four and also one of the midfielders who I can't remember who it was, um, which caught us out. But um, I thought for the rest of the game we handled the strike as well. Um, and you're right about them not having the best striker. I think their striker Wu Li went went off after 20-25 minutes um, because of an injury. So I wonder if if that had an impact. But again, um, you know we've, we've kept a fifth clean sheet. Um, I don't think we were troubled in this game as much as we might have been against Oman and and the game against uh, Iraq to a certain extent. Um, so I, I I was quite happy with the back four. I'm, I'm not sure if he will continue to play Kanoni or if Hosseini will come back in but um, I thought Kan Oni 
uh, didn't do himself any harm in terms of uh, cementing his position as a, as a starter for the uh, for the semi-final or even a final if, if hopefully we uh, we get the win. But again, it's one of those things we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. No, no, no. Imagine don't think he'll be back in. Yavi. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yavi Shaw, we've got another guest coming on. Uh, he is called Yavi Shaw. His hi, um, Twitter handle is at Yavi underscore Shaw. How you doing, man? Hello, hello, guys. How are we this evening? Good to good to have you on. Um, Pleasure. Speak to me about the, the match. Um, well, I think from listening to uh, to the preview pod of the China game, um, we were we were expecting to revert a little bit to type um, and play a, a bit more of a defensive game and um, counter attack. Um, but I think we're, we were all pleasantly surprised with just how attacking we were, um, especially within the first twenty, twenty five, thirty minutes. Um, I think obviously we started a little bit shaky, as, as mentioned um, as mentioned earlier, giving away that early chance. But once we got over our, our usual um, big t- big game, big tournament nerves in the first five minutes, we pressed like I've not seen before. Um, Sardar Osman was a one man gegen press machine, in the words of uh, uh, Jurgen Klopp. Um, I saw short, sharp, first time passing in the final third. Um, and I haven't, as mentioned earlier, I haven't seen attacking football um, from Iran, in, in, especially in a, in a major tournament like this, for a very, very long time, maybe even the, the Ali Dai days. Um, a lot of praise needs to go to Sardar. He was, he was energy. He, he had conviction. He was forcing their defenders into making mistakes. And he, he was... He, he, we need to see the consistency from him um, when it comes to his mental strength. But I always, I always feel with him when he, when he makes the first two or three right decisions in a game, you know it's his sort of game and it's going to go for him. Um, but if he, if he misses the first two to three chances, then frustration can set in and it can affect his his whole game. But no, he deserves. A, I'd probably say the vast majority of credit for. Um, for the early part of the, uh, of the of the performance against China, um, I think not to get carried away. I mean, we we played extremely well against them, um, but as you can see from from today's results with Australia and South Korea going out, that no team in this tournament should be should be taken uh, as small or, or weak when it comes to this stage of the competition. Um, so I think today's results ex- uh, ex- well extend our beating of China in a way that should be in a positive light. Um, one thing I'm going to say that might come across as a little bit controversial with all the praise given to, uh, to Tarami um, is that I, I definitely recognise and understand his, his partnership with Saudar, and especially when we have the ball, um, being the support striker. I think this could be a bit of a blessing in disguise with his, with his yellow card. Um, I think also when it comes to the, the biggest games in semi-finals and finals, and you do have chances, but they're very sparing. You might have one or two major opportunities within these games, and Tarami has has shown um, that he needs three to four, I would say, almost clear-cut chances before he can convert one. Now the question is, number one, can we create that many chances in pressurised situations when it comes to latter stages of tournaments? Um, and also creating them as one thing and 
well, creating that many is one thing, and will he be able to be the person who takes one of those? So I think it could be a blessing um, when it comes to those chances, and maybe I'm hoping that Goddorf plays for his mm-hmm. physicality. Um, I actually am going to be quite, um, uh, well, extremely positive, and I think Japan's style of possession-based football plays into our, our hands when it comes to our counter-attacking football. I definitely think in this game we will revert to type and we will be more defensive, deep-plying and trying to hit them more on the counter. Um, and I think with a player like Gordos' um, physicality, um, he, can, he can almost run the midfield. Now, I might be overplaying his... Well, he needs to play first, <laughs> is, is, uh, is, is one of the things. And uh, we all know that, uh, that Carlos Quiroz, his lineups will always have a wild card or two in them. Um, but yeah. I definitely believe he can, he can be the key to unlock, uh, unlock that game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I want to touch on it with the other guys. Thanks very much for coming on. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, so just touching on his, his point about, um, his replacement, Tarimi's replacement for the left wing spot against Japan. Uh, personally, uh, I would like to see someone go do start as well. But I think if that's because of me being a fan. Um, a coach's perspective would go with someone a, bit, a little bit more, not defensive, but a little bit more balanced. I think Ansari is a good option. Amiri is also a good option. I think those two will give you that kind of support in defence as well. What do you guys think? Bye-bye. Aria, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, look, I think the choice that Carlos Quiroz makes will tell us a lot about his mentality or approach to the game. If it's someone Godus, you're not going to take someone in for uh, too much of a defensive uh, performance, let's say. So you would assume with someone in, you're looking to hit them and take the game to them. Um I feel, uh, initially I thought this could be a blessing, just like Yavi said, during the game I said, okay, we lose Tarami, it's a big, big loss, but this could be someone's moment to shine and really take uh, take the shirt as one of his own and make sure he starts in the final as well. But the more I think about it right now, I feel it's too much of a risky choice and it's more likely uh, Carlos Kiros goes with one of the more trusted players who are going to be tactically aware and disciplined throughout the game. They've played enough big games under Kairos to know exactly what he expects because whatever you want to say about Japan's performances during this tournament, I would say Japan is, for the past 20 years, has been the best team in Asia. And they have the consistency, they have the mentality, they keep the ball well. They've always lacked that top, top striker, but everywhere else on the pitch, you would say they're quite a solid side. So my gut says we're going to see Vahid Amiri there with Esan Hasafi in midfield. But like uh, you said, Arya, Carlos Kiros always makes one or two choices and no one has ever predicted them till now. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to guess. I mean, we'll see what happens. And so he finds a similar player autonomy in some kind of ways that he's also a striker. He plays a left winger. He's got the physicality. I think that's another option. What do you think, Sino? Um, I think you've covered all the basics in terms of the defensive side of things, but I would add from the attacking point of view, and this is where the difference lies between Tarnami and the roles they play between Tarnami and someone like Gottus, is that Gottus is so good, you want him on the ball in the build-up play. You want him to be involved in creating chances. You don't necessarily need that with Tarnami. You want Tarnami to be in the box, 
next to Arsenal, finding those spaces, getting at the end of the moves. So I think that's where the difference is between the roles. And I think it depends on what kind of role he wants to go with. If he wants to go with, again, someone who will partner Osman in the box on uh, in the attacking phase, he will try to get at the end at the end of the moves. Um, and sorry, well, would probably be a, a good option. Someone who has, again, as you said, he has the work rate. Um, he's he's again one of the probably favourites of of um, of uh, Kero. She's always been in almost every squad that he's announced. Um, I, I think that would probably be who he goes for. However, um, again, I think it's something that we saw against Vietnam and it worked with Kodus playing. We played against a back three and we needed to outnumber them in midfield to to make sure that we can expose and we can uh, make the back three really struggle. We had we had Kodus who also acted as almost like an extra midfielder um, and it was, it was um, uh, Osmond sometimes on his own, on his own completely against the back three. So again, it depends on what kind of role he he expects from the left winger. We could see Rodus, we could even see Torabi, we could see Amiri. But I think if he's going for a straight swap for Torabi, then Ansarifad would probably be a, a better option. Uh, I, I'd go with I would I would go with someone. I would say uh, unleash him and take a little bit of a gamble. So <laughs> he still hasn't really. He still hasn't really clicked to the level where you'd say, yeah, he feels comfortable. It reminds me a little bit of Jahan Baksh on the other side throughout his international career. But we're talking about Japan. It's going to be a big game. Element of surprise. Maybe take the gamble. Give someone the start rather than bringing him on in the second half. I, I would I would go a little bit adventurous, personally. Yeah, I think I agree. I think I'd start Amiri in midfield. I think he gives you enough defensive cover on the left side with Mirad Mohammadi, you don't really necessarily need S on. They've got Dejagar in midfield. And I think I think for me, Kodus is just uh he's on he's on form. I mean you look at some of the highlights that he's, he's performed the perform the highlight reels that he's had this this tournament. It's unbelievable. You know, the first touch, the nutmegs, the little you know, step overs here and there is is brilliant to watch. I think it's like it's like watching a Brazilian player play for play for Iran. It's really nice to see. Um, all right, we'll move on to the, the Japan. Also, sorry, Ari, just just Go one ahead. last point. I think even uh, from the defensive point as well, one thing that we missed is that Japan probably has the one of, if not the best, right back and left back on the continent with Sakai and Nagatomo. They play at the highest level in Europe, plenty of experience, and they will bomb forward uh, and trouble the defense. So now. Also, then you still have the headache of if you play Rodus, and as you said, you know defensively he might not be able to give the cover. Um, so then, what are you going to do with Sakai as right back? So again, I think that's another one of those things that will affect. His yeah, but we say that. But has there been a player who ultimately, after some time under Kirosh, hasn't pulled his weight in the side? Cena, I don't think so. Uh, yeah. I think I think even with someone you've seen, he's he's, he's tracked back. He's got stuck in. He's made maybe one or two little bit of rash challenges as well. So I think the whole thing about he's not going to give us a defensive cover is being blown out of proportion just based on the type yeah. of player that he is. You well, you know what, actually, we heard this from Pejman in the World Cup. That's um, from, from what he's heard that Kairos doesn't necessarily trust someone. Yeah, but that, that, that was but someone... Listen, this, we were talking about nine months, nine, ten yes. months ago. We said this before the tournament, that this is someone's tournament. And yeah, I, I, I look at the game so, Let's see. I mean, I, I hope that he does, 
Uh, we've talked about this on several times that if he does start and if he's given the chance, he could even be the best player in the tournament. But um, I think he needs to be given the free role and the freedom to play to play to his ability, and I hope he does. Look at the game against Iraq. You know, he played as a so he played in that sort of defensive-minded midfield um, on the left side. I think you know he could he could start he could start if we'll just need to wait and see. Now we we'll move on to the semi-final against Japan. Uh, you know, Japan's a great team. Japan have some great players, Ritsudwan. Uh, Osako, thinking maybe is is he, is he injured? I don't know. He's not been playing. Uh, Haraguchi, another great player. Um, they beat Vietnam one uh, nil. Uh, it was Duan of a penalty kick. You know, it wasn't much of a game in my opinion. Japan didn't really show. Ah, they didn't show what we showed against Vietnam, which was consistent consistent pressure. Uh, Vietnam had chances against Japan. They could have scored a couple of goals. Um, and they were causing them issues in, in the defence. Um, uh, also, the other semi-finals were Qatar won against South Korea, one uh, nil. Also, another one nil was UAE against Australia. Now we'll we'll, we'll play Japan. Uh, Japan, great team. I think I think this game will cement us as the best team in Asia. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I think uh, this game is a big game. It's a final before the final. Uh, we expected teams like Japan and maybe even Korea and Australia, but really Japan, for me, I, I always look at them as the litmus test in Asia, and I know we haven't played them too often over the last 10 or 15 years, but for me, I respect the way they have developed their football gradually with the league, their professionalism. They have bit by bit improved their standards to the point that playing against South American teams or European teams is second nature to them, and they have the confidence, the professionalism, and the experience, like you said, Arya and Sina earlier. I think the whole team is playing in Europe, if I'm not mistaken, or at least nine or ten of the players were playing in Europe. So they have the experience uh, in defense. You have Yoshida, Nagatomo, Sakai, like you said. You have Haraguchi, who plays in Bundesliga, if I'm not mistaken. You've got Doan, who's an up-and-coming star for them. You've got Osaka, who's been Osaka who's been injured though I think like you said and hasn't played much but they have quality all over the pitch so the winner of this game would probably go into the final feeling like this is their tournament they shouldn't underestimate the opponents but I think you would give the edge to the winner of this game yeah I agree and I want to quickly add I think Japan um you know I, I for me for me Maya Yoshida is their their biggest um um, weakness in my opinion in that defence Yoshida yes he plays in Southampton in the Premier League but for me I think he lacks a bit of pace and I think that Sadar Osman can definitely exploit it I think if you put him on one on one against him I think Osman gets him all the time well Sino what do you think about this match? Yeah I think uh, one thing that we need to consider about Japan is something Yavi uh, pointed out as well in terms of them being able to hold possession and something about uncharacteristic we saw from uh, Japan that worries me a little is their performance against Saudi. Um, you know, Saudi Arabia on the PC were a team that um, liked to keep the possession, liked to pass the ball around. And um, you, I mean, going into the game, I expected Japan to fight uh, with Saudi for possession, for for control of the ball. But no, they they completely sat back. They gave Saudi all the time in the world. I think at the end, uh, Japan only had 24% possession, and 
but they ended up winning the game. And I think that's a different edge to them in this tournament that we need to be wary of. That you know they're not going to be naive as they were in the World Cup against Belgium. I mean, we all remember the last few minutes that they were unlucky. They conceded a late goal, but um, I think they're not going to make the same mistakes here. And they'll be a lot more tactically astute, and I think that's something we need. We definitely need to be wary of as well that they can um, mix it up. They can hold possession when they need to. They can control the tempo of the game when they need to, and they can. They have the plays and they have the tactical ability to sit back and, and uh, absorb pressure and, and hit on the counter because they have the pace going forward. Also, they they also have uh, Ruto, of course, of, of Newcastle that that we've forgotten. I think Osako is back from injury. Um, but again, I mean, looking at their bench, I was watching the game against Vietnam and they brought Inui on who plays for Alaves and, and a couple of other players who play in Europe. So they have uh, strength in depth as well. But uh, I think the, the biggest thing for me that stood out was the performance and the tactical uh, performance by them against Saudi. That uh, uh, not worries me a little, but I think it's, uh, it's interesting to see. Yeah, we script Japan's team, you know, they got it's 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 really frightening how much depth they've got as well. They haven't taken Kes Kes Honda, they haven't taken uh Kagawa either, some of their you know most experienced players, whereas we've taken Dejoga and Shojoi. Uh it's quite interesting how that's you know happened. You know, we we still don't have players growing in Europe um as much as Japan have. Okay, moving on to predictions. Last thing we'll speak about are the predictions for the semi-finals. The other match is Qatar against UAE, United Arab Emirates. Bobak, uh, I'll come to you. Yobi, I'll also ask you as well, since you're also on the call with us. Uh, Bobak, what do you think of this match is going to turn out? I'd say 2-1 Qatar. Qatar's had a first, let's say, revenge against mm. their foe Saudi Arabia during the tournament, but now this is the part two of that installment and the UAE and Qatar have a little bit of bad blood between each other right now as well so I think it'll be a highly charged affair yeah I think it'll be a a good game to watch uh, Sina yeah I agree I think but uh, I mean UAE I haven't really been impressed with uh, throughout the tournament I wasn't impressed with Australia either necessarily but I expected them to get to the semi-final um, I think, barring any surprises, and I, I had a conversation with Bobak earlier, and he pointed out a bad refereeing call could could make the game, and I and I agree, you never know. Um, but I mean, from a footballing point of view, I think Qatar are a, a much better team, and I would expect them to continue to be the surprise package from a, a neutral point of view and, and and get to the final. I'd probably say another clean sheet for Qatar, who have the same amount of clean sheets as us uh, in uh, five clean sheets. And uh, probably a 2 0 win for Qatar, and they'll be in the final. Yavi, give me your prediction. I'm going to go for that bad refereeing call and say <laughs> that it will be 1 0 to the UAE, um, and they will be in the final, and hopefully, of course, against us. Yeah, you know, the referees could always <laughs> favour the home side. Uh, I, think, I think Qatar will get it, though. I think 1 0 Qatar. Uh, what do you think about our match then? Iran against Japan. Uh, Bobak, Mr. Goris. <sighs> In typical Bobak Goris fashion, I'm gonna say that Japan will nick this by the odd goal. I think two, two, one, maybe. And I think Maya Yoshida. We have to be careful of set pieces. He's very good in the air, even though he's not the tallest of players. He's got a good goal scoring record, I think, at Southampton and. If I'm not mistaken, he's got double digits for uh, Japan as well. So I'm going to say that we're just not going to make it through. Although 
I sincerely hope I'm wrong. Nah, nah, nah. You're mistaken, my, my man. You're mistaken. Sina, what do you think? Um, I agree. I completely agree with the points about set pieces. I think they've scored a couple of goals from set pieces in this tournament as well. Uh, so uh, Bobak is right. But I would go for actually a set piece winner from us. I, I think it's going to go to extra time. Um, I think it's going to be a really tight game. Uh, hard to predict. I'm hoping for a Pirelli Ganji winner. Um, particularly because I have him in my fantasy football team and I need him to score. So uh, I'd go for a 1-0 win. <laughs> yeah, and Yavi, uh, what do you think? Um, I'm going to say that we, we always usually win with high drama. Um, so I think we're going to have a 2-1 extra time win. It's not going to go to penalties, but we will win it 2-1 in extra time. You guys are too negative. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my national team. I'm going to say we're going to smash the Japanese 3-0. I think Maji Sosini will get a hat-trick. I think will be... If we lose, I'm coming for you. No, no, no. I, honestly, I don't, I don't think Japan have, have what it takes. I think uh, honestly negative. speaking, the Japan... Maybe you guys are younger than me, but the only t- team that has ever made me cry for Team Melli was Japan. 1997 in Malaysia. I don't know if you guys know the legend of Ostad Asadi, but uh, a 3-2 extra time defeat against them. And that Is was that the it. So, that was the own goal, which was ruled out somehow for offside. But yeah, the 3-2 game, it was a fantastic, dramatic affair like Yavi predicted. And I... Th- I just, I just don't know if we can uh, handle such, such drama when we're so, so close to ending 43 years of pain. No, no, no. Imagine Hosseini. He's huge, your guy. <laughs> All right. Well, he's going to score the own goal apart from, I mean, uh, bringing back the memory of us. No, no, no. He'll score the winner. <laughs> All right. Uh, this was a good podcast, guys. Thanks for uh, coming on, Yovi, as well. Also, other guest was... Make sure you follow them on Twitter. Guys, um, we have a game on, on Monday against Japan. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's 2 p.m. UK time. Uh, I, I can't remember the other times, unfortunately, as I, as I also live in the UK. So make sure you guys you know, really support the national team. You get behind their guys, get to the final, and uh, Majid Hosseini gets to go off and win the game. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you soon. Hi, this is Kat, and you're listening to Golbazan, and I hope you continue listening to their amazing podcast. Thank you all for the support. Love you, Golbazan.